All right. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> this is the Sabbath day, the day of rest. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, right? <laughs> all right, let's all stand. We're going to worship him together. Heavenly Father, we come in your name, Jesus, and you say we're two or three gather in your name. You will be there. Jesus, you gave us the great commandment, dear Lord, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, dear Lord. With these two great commandments, that's an act of worship, to love God, to love others. So help us, Lord. Show us the way. Lead us in your paths. You're the God of our salvation, and you we trust in Jesus' name. Amen.
mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, fly you won't tear down coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, fly you won't tear down coming after me. makes everything beautiful in his time. Amen.
105. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Thank you, God. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest nights. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. 
sing of the goodness of God. We have much to be thankful for, don't we? We serve a God of goodness. Um, we're going to come to a time of prayer, and um, Patsy and Farrell are going to come up. Both of you, um, they've asked to be anointed, and so um, we're going to uh, spend some time praying over them. I invite you, if you want to come up and pray with them and for them, join us. So in the Church of the Nazarene, we, we anoint people when they ask for it, and um, there's nothing magical in the oil, but there is something otherly that happens, we believe. We believe that when we follow the words of James and those that are sick or those that are hurting, we come and we anoint them and we pray over them that God acts in ways that we don't understand and God moves on our behalf and God hears our cries and our prayers. And so Patsy and Farrell have had some tests over the past couple weeks and they're waiting for results, but they're trusting God completely. But Patsy said, I'd love to be anointed. Um, so we're going to anoint them right now. Let me see if I can do this single-handedly. on your forehead as a reminder that you are his and that his blood is more than sufficient. God, I pray right now for my friend Patsy. I thank you for the friend that she has been to me these past five years. I thank you for the pillar that she has been to this church for more than 40 years. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. You've been so good time and time again, and you have been with her through the ups and the downs, and you have been faithful. And so, God, we come to you with, with grateful hearts for all that you have done, and we come as your children asking that you will once again move in a mighty way. God, I pray that test results will come back uh, well. I pray that everything will be normal. God, I pray that you will heal body, mind, and soul even now. I thank you that your word tells us that you're close to us, that you hear us when we call on you, that you long to be an ever-present help in time of need. And so, God, we come to you as needy people. Show up strong in our lives, we pray. And God, I pray also for my brother Farrell. I make the mark of the cross upon his forehead to remind him that he is yours. I thank you for such a great example of what it means to be a faithful follower for generations and for decades. And God, I thank you for his life. I thank you for his service. I thank you for the way that he loves you with all his heart. I pray right now that you will be with him. I pray that you will heal him, that you will make him completely whole. God, 
I don't think that it's by accident that so many people that recorded the things that you did, recorded physical miracles that you performed, and we know that you are the same God. And so, God, I pray right now that you will move in Pharaoh's life. God, I pray that you will touch him. I pray that you'll heal him. I pray that this will be an anchor point in his life that he can look back and say, I remember when God stepped in and divinely intervened on my behalf and changed me completely. Jesus, you're that kind of God. Holy Spirit, move in my friends' lives. Be with them. Be near. Be close. Comfort and guide them, I pray in your name. And Jesus, for the rest of us, we love you. We don't want to take for granted the freedom that we have to boldly approach your throne of grace. Thank you. Thank you for being an approachable God. Thank you for sending your spirit, your very presence in our lives. Thank you for the work that you did, Jesus, on the cross. Thank you that you're that you are the God whose spirit goes before us, whose son saves us, and who wants to make us completely new. So we give ourselves over to you right now. We're clay. You're the potter. Whatever you choose to make of us, we surrender. Mold us. Make us. We know that sometimes that, uh, that potter's hand can be a little bit painful when it's shaping us into something that we don't naturally feel like we should be shaped into, but we trust you. So do your good work in us. Make us something new and beautiful. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So this morning we've been um, singing a lot of songs about, uh, and you've heard songs like goodness and mercy and grace and pursuit. Um, It's not lost on me that we have a God who is relentless in his pursuit for us. He is always, always, always ready and willing to give us a second chance. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful to know that kind of God? That mercy follows us, like follows us, is coming after us, just waiting to give you a second chance, y'all. And so if you don't have it together today, well, no one else does either. All right? So, And God is a merciful God, and he wants to do something in your life to transform your life. And make you new. And so when we do things like pass the peace, it's in recognition of that kind of God. That he is a God who wants to lavish us with, with mercy and kindness and goodness and peace. And when we just turn to him, give our lives to him, 
the peace that he gives us cannot be explained, just can't be explained. And then what happens is it changes our relationships. It changes the way we look at other people. And so today, as we um, stand and we're going to pass peace to each other, if that's new for you, it's it's just us um, expressing a hope to each other that everything is good between us and God and that everything is good between each other. And so as you greet each other, I want you to think about the goodness and the mercy and the pursuit of God and maybe go after somebody and share that peace with them, okay? So stand with me. Friends, may the peace of Christ be with you this morning. Thank you. Please extend that peace to each other. And kids, meet me in that back corner.
we've got a few announcements. I'm looking for passenger Mike Chambers. Oh, uh, a few announcements we've got here. We've got three by three. Now, growing up, one of my uh, one of my favorite restaurants was called Larry's Steakhouse. It was a hole in the wall. The kind where you like would move a picture and it was a different color behind it because of all the smoke. And one of my favorite specials there was the three by three. So this is very, uh, well, they tore it down and built Taco Bell and I have boycotted that ever since. All right, so, all right, three by three, life together, three people, three questions, 30 minutes, only three times a month. Got more info on how this works. Talk to Pastor Garen. Uh, we're going to move on to next. I think I believe it is Quest 52. Ms. Clark, you are teaching this as well, right? All right. Great program. I know 52 weeks sounds like a lot. But there are a lot of things that you do every single week, right? There's a lot of things you do every single day. This is a great growth together, great growth spiritually. It's just a good time. I've read over a lot of this stuff in the past. It is well worth your time to get together and be a part of this. Anything you want to add to that? Anything? Come and go. Come and go. All right. All right. So it's not a, if you miss a week, you're not, you don't have, you're not shamed or anything like that. Okay, good, good. So this is really just casual. It is, it is good stuff. All right. And then we have our monthly potluck. But this is a special potluck because you know what month it will be? It's turkey month. So, any vegans here? All right, so no tofurkey, hopefully. Uh, I don't know if there will be turkey. If you want to bring some turkey, great. But this will be a Thanksgiving celebration. I'll make sure that uh, we bring some Thanksgiving-themed stuff, food. Uh, I'll have Jaron whip something up real quick for you all. It'll be extra tasty and slobbery. Anyway, uh, just it's going to be great. Do not miss November 6th as we have our November potluck, and uh, I think we can bring some good Thanksgiving-themed stuff. All right, we're going to move into our offering time. I often go very long in offering time talking about different things, but I don't want to do that today. I just want to say God is great. He's really great all the time, even when we don't realize it. Uh, Let's just be thankful. In the hardest times, let's be thankful. And just realize what he has offered up to us. Let's pray together and just be thankful. And just see, God, how can you move in us, through us, to offer our our lives so that the kingdom might come near. Father, we praise you. We praise you above all things. We thank you for your love. We really thank you for your forgiveness, your mercy. While we were not deserving of any of this, you still offered it to us. Time and time again, your offering to us is just amazing. So Lord, might we be moved to offer ourselves as living sacrifices as well for the sake of your love for others. Might we remember how you love us now and forever so the world might come to know you. Lord, that There may be nobody that is lost in the end, but all might see the light of Jesus. We praise you. Amen.
God in heaven, your name is holy. Bring your kingdom to earth. Do whatever you see fit, Lord. As above, so below. Give us what we need for today. Forgive us for what we've done. And help us to forgive those who have wronged us. And keep us from evil. Everything is yours, God. Forever and ever. Hello, hello. I'm back here. Hold on one second. I can't. I need to see. Oh, there you go. Was it some mysterious voice? It's me. If you didn't hear that, uh, it was thank you, Living Stones. For those of you that may be watching us online, that uh, this is your first time, or if you're visiting with us, Living Stones um, is the band that plays every Tuesday at CR, right? Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. So if you loved tonight, or this morning, you would love Tuesday evening. Celebrate Recovery is... One of the best things we have going on, and it is a great way for us to heal from some of our hurts and our habits and our hang-ups. And I know a lot of times people get this stigma, oh, well, it's probably for this. And you think of the worst possible thing. No, this is, these are people that are dealing with anger or anxiety or eating issues or depression, or alcohol, or it, it, it's, you can see over there, on the, there's a ton of, if you have a habit that you can identify as destructive in your life, if you have a hurt that you can't get over, or a hang-up that just keeps playing in your mind and you wish you could do a different soundtrack, CR is for you. So I encourage you, and, and if you think they were good today, that was only half the band because the other half is playing in their own churches. So you should come on Tuesday and see it when they're full octane. And the next time we have night of worship, y'all, it was some serious praise last night. And so, yeah, you're exactly right. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now i got to see what, what I'm doing. So we have been in, if you're visiting with us, welcome. My name is Garen. I don't know, Jason, did you identify yourself? Jason and Jen are two of our pastors that you saw. The, pers- the pastor that you don't see very often is Tim, because he's online. He's sitting in the back. He's the one, if you watch us online, and I mention some random song like, I don't know, Amy Grant Father's Eyes, in about 90 seconds, he's going to have a YouTube of, this is Amy Grant Father's Eyes, if you want to know more of what Garen was talking about. So, like, he's that guy. He's the one that interacts with you. We really do have somebody live talking with you. And so, thank you, Pastor Tim, for all that you do. And I'm excited. Um, I'll tell you what. I I don't want to brag, so I will exclude myself. The three pastors that we have here, other than me, y'all, churches would die to have pastors like that. I, I hope you realize I'm, 
I'm so thankful. And I know that because I'm pretty sure that they get calls from other churches all the time asking if they'd be interested in being a pastor at their church. And they choose to serve with you. Not to serve you, to serve with you. So I'm very grateful. So we are in the Lord's Prayer right now. And if you have your journals, grab them, pull them out. I'm hoping that you're going to find something new. Some people uh, will take pictures if they don't have their journals with them. And that's okay, too. We have been talking about the Lord's Prayer. And so what I want us to do is say the Lord's Prayer together, pray the Lord's Prayer together. And I love how CR does it. And so I'm going to start it the way y'all do. And I'm going to say, whose father? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. That gets me so excited that my southern comes in. Amen. <laughs> so if you've missed where we've gone so far, we've gone through our Father in heaven, how to be your name, your kingdom come. Last week was your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Today we are on give us this day our daily bread. Now, if you'll notice, the first part of this Lord's Prayer is dealing primarily with God, with God's omnipotence. And if you're not familiar with that word, the Christian faith has three omnis that we believe. We believe that we serve a God that is omnipresent, which means that God is in all places, right? We can get along with that, right? We believe that God is omniscient, which means that God knows everything. And we believe that God is omnipotent, Bless you. Which means that God is all-powerful. And a lot of the first part of the prayer has been dealing with God's omnipotence. He's our Father in heaven. That's a big deal. We hallow, we praise, we revere His name, we lift up His name because He is not only the God, the God of the heavens, but He is a personal Father to us. And we pray that God's kingdom will come. We choose to surrender and become, we, we come under submission to further a kingdom of a God, and we choose to lay aside our kingdoms and our will so that God's will is accomplished, right? And we want God's will on earth as it is in heaven. That means this is not a prayer that is simply about then and there. This is not a prayer that says, I'm just going to survive until I die and go somewhere better. This is a prayer that says, better is breaking in here on earth. Amen? And so now we pray, give us this day our daily bread. This is the first time where we actually present our needs and I want, to, I want to point that out because so far it's all been God, God, God. And God does want us to come to, come to prayer with our needs. God cares about our needs. 
We believe God's omnipotent, so God already knows our needs, but God loves it. I know a lot of the things that my kids need, but there's something special when they come to me and say, Dad, I need this. Can you help me? So although God knows what we need, God invites us to come into this relationship where this this give and take and communication and we talk to God about our daily needs. We're needy people, aren't we? If you're not needy, you you need a little humility. (laughs) Because we're needy people. I mean, oh goodness. We act like we have it all together, but deep down, we are constantly in need of things, aren't we? It's something that goes all the way back to Genesis. Genesis 2, we have um, God creating humanity. And so, in Genesis 2, we have uh, this, this uh, picture Let me find it. Oh, goodness. Oh, my goodness. I just lost it. So I'm going to summarize for you. It's in Genesis 2. We have this God who breathed life into humanity. Now, we've talked about that word breath before. It's that Hebrew word ruach. Everybody say ruach. you got to get that ruach. It's this spirit of God, this breath of God, this wind of God. It's the word that is used in Genesis 1 where it says, in the beginning was the heaven and the earth, and, and, and the spirit of the Lord hovered, this ruach, this breath, this wind of God hovered over the earth. And we have this breath of God that is breathing into Adam. And it says, when, when the breath of God was given to Adam, Adam became a living soul. Adam became this living being. Now, that word living, I'm sorry, you're getting two Hebrew words today. It's the word nephesh. Nephesh. It's where we get the word neck. Nephesh. Neck. So God breathed into the nephesh, and the soul became alive. Our necks are probably the most fragile part of our bodies. Did you know that? I mean, your neck is fragile. Your neck can be broken. Um, If you've ever seen movies of like medieval times or something like that, when when the soldier's on the battlefield and they've surrendered, they're on their knees, and what do they do? They expose their neck for the final blow. In biblical times, when people were captured, they would walk with their heads down, exposing their neck, saying, I, you can, I'm fragile and frail, and you could take me at any moment. I acknowledge that. Everything we need passes through our nefesh, our neck. Air to breathe. Water to drink. Bread to eat. I'm using those examples specifically because air, wind, ruach, water, the living water, bread, the bread of life. Everything we need literally and spiritually goes through the neck. 
It's a passageway for our very life. And it's something that we can't store up. I can't drink a hundred gallons of water today and then not need water for a month. I can't eat a ton today and then not need to eat for three weeks, can I? It is a constant need. We are constantly needing more of these things that bring us life. Are you with me? Constantly, constantly we are needy people. So in Exodus 16, we have this passage. So here's what's going on. To summarize, the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, had been in Egypt, enslaved for more than 400 years. Think about that. Twice as long as America's been here, pretty much. Slaves to the Egyptians. And when we say slaves, we're not saying they just, oh, they just had to work. No, this was brutal. This was horrible. They were slaves. They were starving. They worked seven days a week, every week, every month, every year, every decade, every century. They were completely helpless. They lived in Egypt with a scarcity mindset. There was never enough to eat. There wasn't enough. You'll recall Pharaoh wouldn't even supply them with what they needed to make the bricks. There was scarcity on every level. They were constantly in need. They were constantly looking out for more. They were constantly, what are we going to do? And God liberates them. God frees them. God takes them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, and they're heading toward the promised land, and they start off all, yay! Miriam's song, sing to Yahweh, he's triumphatoriously, the horse and the carriage, he's thrown into the sea, and they're celebrating, they're celebrating, they're celebrating, and then all of a sudden, gurgle, gurgle. I'm hungry. And their celebration for all that God has done quickly turns into, I'm so hungry. Why'd you bring us out here, Moses? I mean, at least in Egypt, we had enough to eat. At least in Egypt, we weren't dying in the wilderness. Why on earth did you do this? Why did you bring us out here so that we would starve to death? Now, side note. How easy is it for us when we're not paying attention to God and God's will to look at life as if everything is falling apart and everyone is out to get us? They did not have it better in Egypt. They didn't have plenty to eat in Egypt. How quickly they forget the wretched state they were in. How quickly they forget the miracle that they had prayed for for hundreds of years. And when it came, it was short-lived and they were on to being needy again. I've sat with that this week and that has not been a fun place to sit because I see how needy I am so much of the time. But God, true to God's self, says, 
hear you. And I'm your provider. And so if you'll recall, at night, quail would fall from the sky. Could you imagine that? Birds, like, like think Alfred Hitchcock is what I'm thinking. But birds are falling from the ground, falling from the sky, and it's like, hey, we have meat to eat. And in the morning, on the ground is this flaky stuff, and they were like, what on earth is this? And so they called it manna, manna, which literally means, what is this? <laughs> and it was this, this honey-flavored type of bread that they would eat, and they would gather up. And God said, get enough for you every day. Get this much for each person. Take what you need, but don't take more than you need. Now, what's God trying to teach them? God's trying to teach them, I will provide for you. Trust me. You don't have to worry about scarcity anymore. I'm the God who generously gives. I pour and pour and pour, but I'm not going to give you more than you need. So if you store up more, that's, that's on you. And when they did, it turned into maggots and it turned into nasty stuff. And they were like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? And Moses is like, that's what God said would happen. Why don't you listen? So for six days they would gather. On the sixth day, they were told, gather twice as much because on the seventh day we rest. It's as if God was already telling them, I want to break you of this habit of always having to work, always having to be needy. I want you to trust me and rest in me. And so on day one, two, three, four, five, they stored up more than they needed. It turns into maggots and it turns into this disgusting stuff. But on the sixth day, they store up twice as much. And on day seven, everything is just as fresh as if they had just picked it because God promised that God would provide. We serve a God that provides. But here's my first point. You ready for it? God doesn't promise us tomorrow's food today. God doesn't provide us other than on exceptions. God wants you to trust him today for your daily needs. This isn't a, God, if you can just tell me for the next 30 years what I'm supposed to do. No, no. Um, there's usually only enough light for the next step. At least that's what I've found. Which means that every step I take, I have to decide, will I trust? Will I move when the light moves? And will I rest when the light rests? God doesn't give you provisions for tomorrow, today. And that's okay. Because our needs are provided for, right? It reminds me of Mary Poppins, the famous theologian from the 60s or 50s. <laughs> you remember Mary Poppins? The kids are eating and they want more food. And she says, enough is as good as a feast. Has your need been met? Then you're good. Now, that smacks against everything we believe in our culture, doesn't it? And yet it's as if God is trying to teach us, I will provide for your daily needs, but enough is as good as a feast. You don't need more. You'll always have enough. 
I'm a faithful God that you can trust. Which brings me to my second point. God was faithful then, and God will be faithful now. We, we've been singing that song, Same God, recently. You moved the mountains then. You moved the mountains now. You're hearing prayers back then. You'll hear the prayers right now. We serve a same type of God. We serve the same God that parts seas. We serve the same God that locks up lion's jaws. We serve the same God that has people leaving furnaces not even smelling like smoke. This is the same God that we serve today. And how often do we forget that? How often do we make, oh, this is just too big, I can't handle it, and God can't it. We serve the same God. Say that with me. We serve the same God. I know it's easy to say and it's harder to believe, but I'm telling you, it's true. Now let's look specifically at this prayer. Give us today our daily bread. What I want to highlight to you today is that this is not a personal prayer. None of this prayer is. Our Father, give us, forgive us as we lead us deliver us. Now, does God care about your personal needs? Absolutely. But is this prayer about your personal needs? Not really. It's, it is in relation to the whole of things. But there's a communal application. I know this because of the words in it. I know it because it's a plural Pronoun. Now, let me ask you, let, let's just sidetrack for a second. When you pray, after you finish, do you feel better or worse than before you started praying? I know there are some that are like, I talked to God, it was awesome, I communed with God, and we had such a sweet time. And then there are others, if you're honest, you almost leave prayer more anxious than you entered into prayer. God, please help me. I really need this new job. And if I don't get this new job, I know this job is leaving and then I'll lose my income. And if I don't have this income, God, you know that I need to be able to provide for my family. And so then if I can't provide for my family because I don't have my job, and then I'll lose my car because I can't afford the car payments. And if I lose my car, then I can't get any more employed. Oh. And you leave prayer feeling like you've done a boxing match with doubt and fear and you've lost. Can I suggest to you that if you finish prayer with anxiety, it may be that your pronouns are wrong and that you're having a little too many I's, me's, and my's when you need to have more prayer that deals with us, ours, we. You need to trust that God's going to provide for my needs. God, you know my needs, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them. But I want to talk to you about the need that I saw in my friend. I want to talk to you about the need that my church has. I want to talk to you about the need in our community. 
Do you see the difference? This leads to anxiety and paralysis. It makes you almost too afraid to do anything. This opens your eyes to the people around you and gives you opportunity to serve and do something for the kingdom of God. I don't feel like this is a difficult decision. This is the way to go. If we're only praying for our needs, we're praying much too small a prayer. We should be praying for our family and for our neighborhood and for our community. When we go to eat dinner in a couple of minutes, as you sit down to a full table, you should be thinking, God, There are people in Daytona and Port Orange that don't have a single meal, and yet I had breakfast, I'm sitting down to lunch, and I'll probably have dinner tonight. God, will you do something for them? God, will you meet their need right now? Because so many times, we make this such a literal prayer. God, provide food for me. We make this a literal prayer. Or, I'm sorry. We make this a a spiritual prayer. We make this about, God, we need the bread of life. God, give me what I need. Help my spirit. And there is that, but there is the me bread. When I was teaching, it broke my heart every Monday because I could tell the kids who hadn't had a single thing to eat since Friday's lunch. I was the cracker guy. I always had those little six packs of peanut butter crackers because I knew that there were kids that wouldn't be able to concentrate until lunchtime. They need a God that's going to step in And be for them and with them. They needed a servant, an image of God that was going to step in and be there for them and be there with them. So instead of an Exodus mindset where we're just kind of like complaining and, God, where's my food? We're going to close with a passage that most of us know, but I want you to hear it through this mindset of give us our daily bread. It's Acts 2, 42 through 47. You've heard it a dozen times. I don't know that you've ever connected it with give us our daily bread. Are all the believers, Mm, there we go again, all This isn't I was, it's all. There's a corporate collectiveness to the body of Christ that supersedes me and my and I. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. 
A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They were agents of God providing daily bread for the community that didn't have it. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes and had the Lord's Supper. They shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. They served a God of generosity, and that made them, as image bearers of God, generous people. Now, I've been reading a lot about the Lord's Prayer and about this section, and a lot of people keep pointing out that this is not... um, They met together daily. Most likely is because a lot of people in their community and in their church were slaves, were poor, were the social outcasts. They were the low status. They were living paycheck to paycheck. And so those that had more understood, I can provide for this person's need simply by sharing a meal. The early church lived out their faith by the way They acted. It was love in motion. And if we are going to be like the early church, and if we are going to pray for God to give us daily bread, it's not daily bread for us to pocket and save up. Because when we hoard up what God gives us, it it brings maggots into our faith and our trust. And if we hoard it for ourselves, it will destroy what we believe because our God is a God of generosity and to act like anything other than God is not like God. I know that is a silly sentence, but it's so true. We want to act like God, we need to act like God. We have to roll up our sleeves and do something. It's like, it's like when James says, if you see someone that's hungry and you say, hey, be well. Hope your stomach's full. See you later. And you don't help them. No bueno. Our God is a God of generous activity and generous love. And we are called to be that way. We are called to help. If we can provide daily bread for them, we are the ones that God wants to use to provide daily bread for them. Let me close with a story that I heard. So it's about Bono from U2. The lead singer from U2, Bono. He's a huge global philanthropist. I mean, he has helped with um, the AIDS issue, the malaria issue, all these issues that are facing the global community. And so he was at this conference in England, so the story goes. 
And it's this group of pastors and priests, and they're getting together, and they're praying for their community, and they're praying for God to do something amazing, and they're praying for God to meet with the poor and the sick and the hurting. They're praying that God will step in because their cities are going through all this distress, and the people are hurting, and the people are hungry, and the people don't know where to go. And so all these priests and pastors are getting together to have this conference to pray, God, 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 please do something. Please be with them. Please help them. And one of the pastors leans over. He's sitting by Bono and he says, wow, look at this. Hundreds of priests and pastors asking God, when are you going to move in our city, God? When are you going to get up and do something on their behalf? Bono leans back over and says, interesting. I think maybe God's Asking the same question. I love this. I love the gathering of the saints. I love when we get together and we collectively sing and we lift up God and we hear a word and we share at the table. But if it stops at the door, we've missed our calling. We are simply getting, we're getting fat on the gospel message and we're not sharing our meal. Which is not the way of Jesus. So, aren't you glad you came to church today? So I have, well, I wasn't looking for that, but thank you. I have four questions. Uh, a lot of you, I encourage you to write these down or snap a picture. Four questions. That's what we've been doing this series. Four questions for you to think about. I, I encourage you to pick one or maybe take a picture so that you can think about all of them. The first one. How does understanding, how does understanding that this prayer for daily bread is corporate affect how I pray? How much of my prayer time is focused on me versus others? Maybe that's something you want to think about for the next few days. Second question, do I live my life in Egypt? Do I have a scarcity mindset? Have I bought into, oh sorry, I, should, I shouldn't have gone off script. Have I bought into the scarcity mindset when God longs for me to live with a mindset of abundance? How does trusting God for my daily bread affect my level of of generosity. This is going to be hard, y'all. This, if, you, if you choose to think and pray about this one, it goes against everything we have. It goes against keeping up with the Joneses. It goes against if a little is good, a lot is better. And we always feel like if I just reach this level of income, I'll be fine. And as soon as we reach it, ooh, there's a whole nother level I didn't even realize. And I'm not saying that climbing the ladder is bad. I know many people that have climbed the ladder and they live extravagant generosity. It's because their ladder climbing isn't for me, I. It's about us, them. So hear what I'm saying. This is for you to grapple. It's less about the things. It's more about am I living in scarcity 
or abundance. Third question, is there a need around me that God is calling me to help with? Yes, I'll answer that one for you. And if I can't see one, does it seem strange that I'm the only one God is not calling to help? You see what I did there? What needs to happen in order for me to better see God's kingdom? What hard work is going to be required of you so that you can start to see the needs around you? Fourth question. Who will I invite to my table this week? This could be literal. This could be metaphorical. But who are you going to invite in? We are a community. You hear me? We are a community. There is no gospel outside of the social gospel. That's what Wesley said. And what that means is my faith is intricately intertwined with your faith because we are the people of God. Yes, it's personal, but no, it is not only personal. So, who will I invite to my table this week? Where's the need? And if I can't find a need, am I willing to look harder to see it? There have been lots of times I've been like, oh, yeah, God. I've prayed for five minutes and you haven't told me anything. I'm going to assume everyone's good. No, dig deeper. Dig deeper. Look harder. Wait and be patient and God will show you needs around you. So, we serve a God of generosity. We serve a God that gives us everything we need and no place is that scene any better than the table. I don't even know if I can click to the next slide, so we'll just leave it on this. I'm going to challenge you today as we come to the table. This may end disastrously. We're going to find out. You willing to try something with me? Thank you, Chrissy. You and me, sister, all the way. We are called to extend this bread. Bread of life, and in many times, literally, bread to those around us, to those in need. So, I'm going to invite you to come up, and here's what I'm going to ask, if you're brave enough to try it. Receive the element. You're going to dip your bread And take it, and then you are going to receive the plate and serve the next person. And then they will take, dip, receive, and then you will hand them the plate, and they will serve the next person. And we will extend bread to each other. Does that make sense? If you're like, I'm not there yet, you just barely have me coming up in the first place, I'll be over here if you say this isn't for you. But it's my prayer that you will at least try this. I I think I can safely say everyone who has stood on this side and has offered this gift that isn't ours to offer, it's all a gift from God. It changes you. I want you to be a part of receiving it, and I want you to be a part of extending it. And so what will happen is, I'm going to put this right here. 
there will be a cup here. You'll come up, I'll extend the bread, and you'll dip it, and then you'll hold the plate for the next person, and then they'll dip it. Does that make sense? All right. Woo! Is anyone else as anxious as I am? That's up to you. That is up to you. On the night that our Lord was to be betrayed, he was gathered with his disciples in the upper room. And he was about to display the most generous act that one could ever hope to see. He's about to give his life for humanity. They didn't know it yet. The the disciples had heard Jesus saying that that's what he was going to do, but you know how people talk. But Jesus was sincere, and he was about to go to the cross, and on the night that he was to be betrayed, he was sitting with his disciples. Some of them kind of got it. Some of them didn't get it. Some of them were against it. And he lifted up the bread, and he broke it. He said, this bread is my body will be broken for you. Take, eat, and be thankful. And then he lifted up the chalice. And I imagine it was very much like the Da Vinci painting where people are leaning in. It's like, what's he going to say now? He held up the cup and he blessed it. never really thought about the fact that this is signifying Jesus' death and Jesus is blessing it. But he held up the cup and he said, this is my blood which will be shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. So take, drink, all of it and be thankful. So God, we come to you today. We admit that we are needy. We need your bread. We need your juice. We need you to help us to be the body of Christ. We need you to help us to live out this sacrificial faith. Thank you for the work that you did on the cross, and we pray that you will be glorified in our hearts, in our church in our community. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So I'll I'll invite you up. And then I will hand over the the plate. And if you prefer not to, I'll be over here with another plate. But when you're ready, come.
goodness. I think my biggest regret is that I didn't have a camera. See, husband serving wife, employed serving unemployed, old serving young, ah, laity serving pastors, because we all come to the same table, don't we? Woo! That was the best part of the day for me. We're going uh, to leave, so stand with me. I invite you and encourage you. Think about the table this week. How are you going to expand your table and reach out for someone? Um, we sing our uh, benediction. Kimmy, my controller is not working. Would you mind running back there real fast so, and flip on the song for me? Sorry about that. I tried. My, my, I, my clicker is not clicking. So story of my life, isn't it? So, <laughs> we sing our benediction. If you're visiting with us, if you don't know it, that's okay. Just receive this benediction, uh, but sing out with me. We sing hallelujah. Let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. We will see you next Sunday.